Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Grace and peace to be with everybody. This is uh, G.T. Hawkins. And uh, welcome to another edition of uh, Freestyle Fridays. Again, Freestyle Fridays is, you know, we freestyle. We talk about anything and everything under the sun from a biblical perspective. Uh, before I start, uh, before I start, I want to start off by uh, putting putting some putting some things out there, uh, some advertisements. Let y'all know what's going on with uh, with the brothers and uh, my wife and the brethren, I should say, um, that's out there. Of course, like I said, Freestyle Friday today, uh, which is every Friday, uh, as I said before. Well, last week, last week uh, I was not sure that I was going to do a Freestyle Friday uh, for the rest of the month. Uh, because I uh, assumed that I would be in training, but uh, I'll talk more about that a little later if if necessary. But I'm here, and uh, we're going to continue on as usual. Uh, tomorrow, not tomorrow, Sunday, Dave is doing a show on synchronism, and I really believe that show is going to be a blast because uh, you're going to hear about some particular arguments that unbelievers who feel that they are uh, very wise in what they say or very wise in, in what they know, uh, you're going to hear some some belief that, again, that these unbelievers believe, contradict, or prove that the Bible is corrupt or Jesus is, is fake, uh, <laughs> A series of a whole lot of things. Uh, the whole Zeitgeist movement. They got so many uh, Christians uh, off the path, and it's due to the fact that their knowledge base is how can I say? Uh, they don't really know about the subject being presented to them, and you know, not having that type of knowledge can actually cause you to waver a little bit. Not uh, not all the time, but uh, not all the time, but some of the time. And there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians, claim to be believers, who have actually fallen straight. So Sunday would be the show, uh, would be the discussion to be part of. And I promise you, you really, really need to bring your thinking cap Sunday because it's going to get heavy. And uh, then we head on to Monday, uh, which is Darian Eaton's uh, show for Monday, Bible study. 
and uh, join join us on that as well, uh, because you know Darian goes into the to the meat of the word, and uh, he's a very good teacher on what he teaches, and he's uh, very animated. So you know, join us for that because uh, uh, that's uh, that's also uh, part of the Bible study. Um, also, uh, my wife's website, ExitChurchianity.com. Uh, please go and check her out uh, on ExitChurchianity.com, Evelyn Hawkins. You check her out there. Uh, also on her page on Facebook. And uh, uh, again, shout out to Jamel, creating the uh, website, CommonSenseAndReasons.com. Uh, as I said before, and as we've all made clear, you're going to see things posted on the website and in the and on the page, and you know go there for uh, you know just to just to browse around, see what we're talking about. Uh, and like I said again, we got the common sense and reasons page, so you might see common sense common sense and reasons uh, pop up a lot. Uh, when you see either Darian, David, Jamel, or myself on these threads. Uh, now, last week, what I did, last week what I did was, uh, not last week, but the week before last, Friday before last, was very encouraged, very encouraged. And I was encouraged because I got a seat for training to move my rank up. It's called Senior Leadership Course in the Military. Anybody who listens who is in the military will understand what the phrase means or what the school is and how important it is. However, uh, I had to travel to North Carolina and come back and uh, take a PT test, physical training test. and. I failed the test. I bombed it. I missed my run by five seconds. And so it seemed as if everything from that point on just went downhill because my car uh, ended up, you know, I was very motivated. And on my way back, my car just, the battery died in it and it killed a a module in the car. And, uh, it pretty much cost me $950 to get it fixed. So with all of that on my brain and having to run in, uh, in dire conditions, I failed the test. And I'm not making up excuses. You know, it is what it is. But was I frustrated? Yes, I was very frustrated. Did I lose faith in God? No, I didn't lose faith in God. As a matter of fact, it was at this point in time when I held on to him as hard as I could because in my frustration, uh, I wanted to lash out. But I had to remember several things. I had to remember several things. One, yes, my car, it broke down. But I had to remember Guess what? Everybody doesn't have a vehicle. 
Number two, I'm still alive. You know, I was, I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm fortunate to be here thanks to God's grace and mercy because the way that the vehicle broke down, I was actually en route. And the car was losing power, and I had to get the car to uh, a gas station where it can just settle down instead of me being on the side of the road. I mean, I could have been, you know, halfway home and uh, in the middle of the road or going 60, 70 miles an hour, and the car just cut off, caused the accident, you know? So I was very thankful still in my grief. I wrote this this rhyme when I used to try and rap. Uh, And I'm a, this is the way it went. I'm not liking unto him that can mumble. For sake to write it down, it might cause, it might cause me to stumble. When the winds come, yo, I don't faint. I stay humble in my grumble, even when I'm stumbled. Remembering that I'm a sheep, and I'll stop there. Uh, and that's exactly the philosophy for myself to use when I'm going through trials and tribulations. Is at those moments when I hold on to God the most, because it's almost like I feel myself slipping. So. Am I encouraged still? Of course I am. Because looking at all the things that took place, literally, I just got my vehicle back yesterday. So that's almost a week. And if I would have been in a, a week at, at the school and my family here wouldn't have had a car, guess what? It would have been horrible. I mean, just the fact that I have a car, I'm blessed. So. I guess what I'm trying to tell everyone is whoever goes through, if you're going through tribulations or if you're going through things, don't don't, don't be disencouraged. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay. You know, the Bible says be angry and sin not. You know, we are humans. We have these types of emotions. So, again, if you're going through good or if you're going through the bad, Give God the praise. Uh, one of the brothers in the group posted a uh, he posted a, a a discussion about how unbelievers how unbelievers celebrate in their happiness, and he was a bit troubled that the saints don't celebrate uh, as much or as hard as unbelievers do in their happiness. And I understand. I understood what he was saying. I really did. Uh, sometimes the syntax of when somebody's writing can be uh, a bit off, at least for me. Uh, I may have a bit of ADHD or something, but in any case, um, I understood what he was saying. It, the, in a nutshell, what he was getting at is that uh, is give God Give God praise in all things, in all things, good or bad, death, life, uh, 
all things. Paul did it when he was going under persecution. He gave God the glory. Everything wasn't going good for him. Uh, the one thing that was taking place is that God was being glorified through the persecution of the saints. They praised God the more. So, and I'll just pass that on to you, to anybody who's listening or who will listen, listen later on. You know, I, I pass that on to you so that even in your struggles, you can give God the praise. Uh, so that's that's my word of encouragement. I, I see somebody in from North Carolina. Uh, who's calling, please? John Moore. Oh, peace. Peace be with you. All right. So as I said, uh, as I said earlier, Freestyle Fridays. You know, again, we talk about everything under the sun uh, from a biblical perspective. Sundays is uh, David Chandler's uh, discussion and Bible study. And again, please join in for that. Uh, Monday at seven o'clock is the Darren Eaton Show, and check us out on CommonSenseAndReasons.com and the Facebook page. Check out my wife's page, ExitChurchianity.com, and the Facebook page, ExitChurchianity. I want to read a scripture, uh, but before I go on, uh, John, since you you are, you're the first caller, was there anything that you uh, wanted to say or, or put out there before I continue? No, um... I just went on Facebook and saw that uh, I had been invited, so I decided to dial the number. So I'm good. Okay. Okay. Roger that. All right. Well, I'm gonna throw some things out here. First thing I'm gonna do is uh, I want to read Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians six. Who's talking? Now? Say that again. Who's talking? This is me, GT. Okay. All right. I'm going to start with Ephesians 6, verse 10, and read all the way down to, uh, let's see, verse 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all things. 
All right. Just wanted to put that out there to, again, remind all the saints to, to be encouraged and put on the whole armor of God because we are literally, literally in a fight. And although our enemies can come to us in the flesh, there is a dark and evil spirit or spirit behind them pushing them to war against us. And one of the things that I'm is it's really been irking me for the last actually since I've jumped back on Facebook uh three years ago, almost four years ago, and been active. Uh I joined a group I was actually I was actually invited and asked to join a group in Facebook called Spirit Led Discussion, and this is uh, this was a group that I deemed or thought was uh, a Christian group, and I was added as an admin, and little little by little as time went on. Things begin to change uh, within the group and within the uh, admin section. And there were admins who were added and admins who were removed. Uh, but the one thing that I've always warned anybody, uh, it, it got to a point where the fellowship of the people changed. And it was no longer just Christian, but it was unbelievers as well. And the Bible says that we shouldn't have fellowship with unbelievers. The room or the group I thought was supposed to be a a group where unbelievers could come and learn about our faith in Jesus Christ. And though we would have debate, those things would be limited for a time so that people can get the most of the discussion. But instead of removing uh removing instead of removing the unbelievers and and, and literally the antichrist, they were allowed to stay. And I'm only telling this story because everything that I warned has literally come to pass. And I'm not taking any credit for saying that I'm a psychic or prophet or anything. But sometimes the writing is on the wall. And I wanted to start I wanted to just start from the very thing that I that I saw. The one thing that I saw in this group and not just this group but in many other groups uh, that claim to be Christian but allow this unbelieving element to remain within. Jesus Christ said that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And we know that leaven, we know that leaven refers to the apostasy and the false religion uh, of the Pharisees of that time. But these things can be applied today. If we allow false doctrine and false uh, converts in our midst, 
after a while, they will begin to bring corruption into the church. And when I say church, I don't mean church buildings. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And these people I call, these people I call false converts, okay? These are false converts, people who come into the midst, pretend to be one of us, and then one by one they start picking off the saints until they cause a schism, a division amongst the brethren. And although spirit-led discussions wasn't a church building, we were somewhat acting as as a church where we had administrators and elders and uh, people coming from different aspects to manage the affairs of that group. And it took only a few individuals to come in and not only just come into the group, but also enter into the admin section. Not becoming an admin, but gaining allies with the admin. And as we are supposed to do, we are supposed to separate ourselves from such people. And that's what I did. I'm not telling this story again to uh, uh, put down uh, the admins of the old spirit-led discussions or anything, but I'm just telling this story because I literally experienced this and I've seen the split. I've seen the split between the admins who were once friends, almost like family. We laughed, we cried together over the phone, and then because of that unbelieving element, those dogs is what I call it. Uh, scripture's calling it. They're dogs without. That's what the scripture calls it. And they did exactly what they had planned to do. Whether they normally did it or not, it happened, they succeeded. But I will say, and over time, uh, you know, one or a few of the admins, we are now friends, and I'm happy for that because generally people are nice people. These people are nice people. But when looking at this as a whole, for the church as a whole, looking across the country, and uh, I see Dave, uh, I see, uh, I'm thinking that's Jamel or Darian, which one? Yeah. Okay, peace, brothers. Um, y'all know, uh, David, you talk about this all the time. Uh, the New Ages or the, uh, these false converts who put on the name Christian when they're not Christian at all. They're not Christian by definition. And I'm going to tell you how deep this thing runs with these unbelievers and their confusion. They have even turned the word Christian into something to be shunned. Now, I can understand somebody being called a 
a B-I-T-C-H or, uh, you know, some other derogatory word. Even the word nigga, you know, I can understand huh. somebody being offended by that. But to be offended uh, because you were called a Christian, someone who follows Jesus Christ, someone who belongs to Jesus Christ, someone who is in relation with Jesus Christ, you're offended at that? This is evident that spending too much time around these unbelievers or dialoguing too much with them can cause this type of confusion. And we see it every day. And as I was stating earlier, and I'll have y'all guys join in, um, let me just go to the scripture, all right? Genesis 3.1. Yeah, everybody should know this by heart by now. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now I'm going to stop right there. The serpent questioned what God said. Was he intentionally doing this? Of course he was. He was bringing doubt on the word of God. This is where it starts. This is where I believe it starts. Somebody has to first bring doubt on the word of God for the saints to begin in their confusion. Oh, well, you know, the Bible uh, has contradictions and you know, I'm dealing with I'm dealing with that now in this crazy group. I left the group, but for some reason they wanted me in there. And again, I'm just gonna drop the scriptures. I'm not actually I'm not gonna give that which is holy unto the dog. I'm not gonna be putting scriptures in there. I'm not saying that no one else should, no other Christian should, but I'm not any Christian that's in that group. I'm not gonna give them scriptures because just as Jesus said, they are tra- they're going to trample on it, and they're going to turn on you. That's exactly what they want to do. No matter what information you give them, they will reject the scripture and just tell you that you're stupid, you're dumb, and all this other stuff. And unfortunately, we have one of those, uh, well, actually, she doesn't like to be called a Christian either. And based off of what she has said in, in in this group, uh, you know, pretty much agreeing with everything that these unbelievers say, she has fell victim to opening the door to these unbelievers. They're not just unbelievers, but these are antichrists. We have no fellowship with them, and she's a prime example of how one is corrupted. Because even she and I'm not saying names out of respect, doubts the word of God. Any of you brothers want to put anything on that, want to add to that? From my experience, this is John, um, I joined the group because of the name of the group. And then, of course, when I saw that a bunch of stuff was not spirit-led and I said something about it, then, of course, I was the problem. 
so I could identify with all that you're saying. And I've asked questions in that group and others about the Antichrist that are so tolerated. And and the question I ask is, if we know for a fact that they are, and I didn't use the word Antichrist, but that they don't believe the same thing we believe, then why would we be discussing any of the any other scriptural truth with them? Because they're not going to be coming from the same place that we're coming from. And uh, it's amazing how those type questions don't generate too many responses. But uh, I hear you. Roger that. Yeah, and, you know, being an insider, um, you know, that practically came from trying to, I don't know, appease or, like you said, tolerate the unbelievers. You know, the Bible tells us that if no one if no one hears us, if they don't want to hear what we're saying, they don't accept, we have to knock the dust off of our shoes and, you know, separate, separate ourselves from those people. And that was, that was the plan. That was uh, a plan that was implemented for a short while. Well, in the first wave, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a large wave of black Hebrew Israelites uh, who came in, and we allowed that to go on, and then boom, yeah. we moved them over. And then, you know, the Kemet folk came in, and boom, we moved them over. And then it was quiet for a while, and, you know, everything was going good. And then the next thing you know, the Kemet folk or the New Ages came in, and then boom, they could not be removed from nothing. And, you know, this all stemmed from trying to win them over. Oh, I believe that they can be won over. No. These guys will devour you, and you know I encourage I encourage any Christian that's listening, any Christian that um, will listen later on, do exactly what the scripture says. The scripture says, if no one wants to hear what you're saying, if no one accepts the gospel, knock the dust off your shoes and keep it moving. Because eventually what's going to happen, the proverb says, do not keep company with an angry man because later you will take on his character. And that's exactly what happens when you sympathize, when you sympathize with, uh, when you sympathize with these unbelievers, you tend to take on their nature, and I've seen it. I've seen brethren who have been in such a long conversation or, or so many discussions with uh, an unbeliever, uh, 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 an antichrist, who I've we finally got confirmation from his own mouth uh, that he's not Christian. Um, you know the other the, the other the brethren who've actually tolerated his presence, had taken on his style of conversation. And there's a, there's a scripture, there's another scripture where it says that when 
there are many words, that's Proverbs, when there are many words, sin is not found wanting. And if I could put that in layman terms, if somebody is, you know, talking a lot, in most cases, they just love to hear themselves talk. They love to hear themselves speak. They love to read their own words over the screen because to them, it sounds very philosophical. It sounds very smart. It sounds very wise. But as the scripture says, again, in Proverbs 3, be not wise in your own deceit. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord. And this is where we part ways with unbelievers. You know, they they claim to be wise, but they are not as wise as they think. And one of the reasons why is because of the information that they feed off of. And sometimes it's due to their own ignorance. If we could humble ourselves and say, yes, we don't know specific uh, doctrines or we don't know about specific topics or we don't understand a specific uh, discussion or, or, or subject or whatever. If we are humble enough to say that, it's either one of two things. Either we're going to humble ourselves and try to find a way to learn or we just let other people do it. Let other people do it and then we get it back. Uh, is that you, Jamel? Uh, I'm hearing a lot of background noise. Uh, I see uh, David. Are you there? I'm seeing Pennsylvania. I'm here. Okay. Uh, now I see Georgia. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Who's uh, who's calling from Georgia? Okay. He must. He he just hung up. Um. So yeah. But with these unbelievers, when it comes to topics that they don't understand, what they do is they go and grab the very first thing, and if it if if it disagrees with the scripture, they especially holds on. They hold on to it, and they spew it out as if it's real knowledge or as as if it's real. Uh, it's real information, and. In doing so, they embarrass themselves. And then we have some other factors with that. If And forgive me for bringing up race, but there's a, a term that people use. They say if you put it in the book, they won't, they won't read it. And, and in some cases, that is true. Actually, in most cases, that is true. If you put it in the book, they won't read it. And because they haven't read it, a lot on this stuff, uh, for instance, the history of the church, the different uh, occults that rose around the 18th and 19th century, the background to all of these uh, uh, crucified messiahs and the, the history of Egypt and the Persian empires and Babylon, the Roman Empire, uh, you know, a lot of them, they don't know the history. And, you know, if uh, a lot of them have come out of the church 
And the thing is, if you were in the church and you really, really, really loved the word of God, they would have applied themselves to learn about what was Nebuchadnezzar like? What year was Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon? Who came after him? Did Daniel's prophecy happen the way that he prophesied? When was the flood? Things of that nature. You know, uh, the Bible says, study to show thyself proof. And some people only apply that to biblical study as far as, like, only the Bible. But even the Bible used sources outside of itself, like the book of Enoch, where it is mentioned in... uh, it's mentioned in the book of Jude, and also the assumption of Moses. Uh, also, the book of Jasher mentioned in, uh, I think it's in the book of Joshua. Not saying that those books or those things are inspired texts, but if the scriptures felt good about, you know, God, if these, if the writers of the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, felt led to mention these books, why not, why should not take a look? But, again, when it comes to dealing with unbelievers, they will post the very first thing that comes to to their site without having any background knowledge on it and believe the very first thing that they, that they hear. Evolution is one of them. And evolution is one of those doctrines that has guided them in their unbelief, whether they know it or not. You see, because in evolution, there is an evolution of man from worse to ascended up as a God. And that takes us right back to Genesis uh, chapter 3, which we already know, again, uh, what the serpent said. And the serpent said unto the woman, this is verse 4, ye shall not surely die, For God does know in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So, again, for them, although they reject what the scriptures say, they hold on to this Luciferian religion because it was the serpent who was the dragon, the devil, called the uh, Satan, the devil, that old serpent, as Revelation says, who brought this doctrine to mankind. Ye shall be as gods. And that's what evolution is. And this started, he started first by doubt, uh, casting doubt on the word of God. Uh, anybody want to add, add to this or say anything? Well, um, I do, actually. I, um, I'm glad that you brought that up because evolution is also, and I spoke about this in my in the show not too long ago. I think it might have been uh, the end of last year, but the doctrine of evolution is well uh, entrenched within you know, our education system. Um, John Dewey, G. Brock, and I've already spoke about four key figures within the Marxist revolution, especially when it comes to education, the the whole doctrine of evolution, and that's G. Brock Chisholm, uh, G. Stanley Hall, and John Dewey, uh, three actually. But 
these individuals were all into evolution. They believed in evolution. Not only did these three men believe in evolution, but it was also um, a lot of your psychological, your your uh, founding fathers of psychology, like uh, Ivan Pavlov, um, Alfred Adler, Freud, um, Eric Erickson, they all believed that inherently man is good. There is Man is not fallen. Man has evolved or is slowly evolving into a higher form of um, existence. And, you know, it, this brings me to my next point. We have two types of evolutionary theory. We have what what, what is called humanistic, uh, humanistic evolution, which is what a lot of the four of the aforementioned people believed in. And then we have what is called theistic evolution. Well, a lot of Christians believe, you know, the whole gap theory doctrine, you know, it, it is, you know, the whole earth was just sitting there and there was nobody in there. And then God just uh, came back and finished what he started. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth without, was without form and void, and, said, and then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and then he goes on from there. So there was no gap theory. There, there was no um, earth that was void, and then God decided, well, okay, let me just finish the work that I started because I got a little tired. You know, I wanted to take a break. I wanted to take a bathroom break or whatever the case may be, but this is what's going on. This is what's being taught. And in the New Age movement, evolution is pretty popular because they talk about the advancement of man all the time. You know, you, you hear Benjamin Krim talk about there's a spark of divinity within all men. And so there, since there's a spark of divinity with all men, man is capable of evolving from here to here. To, you know, we, 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 we can evolved, you know, from a lower species to a higher species into eventually a god, you know, we, we can be a god. And this is what Oprah Winfrey teaches. This is what um, Deepak Chopra teaches. This is what, uh, you know, Shirley MacLaine taught and a lot of your other noted, you know, uh, television uh, personalities, they teach this. Uh, they teach that there is a man is constantly evolving from one form to another. And, they, and Adolf Hitler taught this as well. He believed that evolution is necessary for the... Um, the completion of the Aryan man, and the Jews is trying to prevent that. So we need, the Jews are not necessarily evolved yet, so we need to kill them off because they're the weaker race. We need to kill them off. We need to kill the blacks off. We need to kill off the um, mentally infirmed or the mentally handicapped because they missed the evolutionary boat, so they need to be eliminated. And... Helena Blavatsky taught this in her book called The Secret Doctrine, which the Nazis 
read as their Bible. Adolf Hitler went to sleep with it in his hand, and this is where Nazism, the whole Nazi philosophy came from out of that book that Blavatsky wrote called The Secret Doctrine. If, if you're not aware of what it is, or, or if you're not aware of what it teaches, look it up. Don't read it, but look it up on, on Google, and you will know that the whole doctrine or the whole theology of the Aryan race, the Aryan man, the very first Aryan man, um, is another product of evolution, as a matter of fact. And this is what Hitler taught his secret police, you know, Himmler and, and um, Joseph Goebbels and all these other guys. They, they taught in the, that the Aryan man was at the peak of the evolutionary process. And this is why the Jews were targeted as the ones that needed to be eliminated because they didn't reach that far as far as evolution was concerned. Yeah, you know, it's uh, pretty interesting that you brought that up because, um, as I was saying earlier about black people, and they say if you put it in the book, they won't read it. Um, nowadays, they are read. you know, a lot of black people are reading books, uh, but they're reading the wrong kind of book. And these are those uh, Afrocentric books written by people like Elijah Muhammad or uh, some of these DHI guys. Uh, The thing is, what they failed to realize, evolution was also used to hold, uh, to look at or justify the perspective that black people were only one-third of a man. You know when they when they when they go around teaching people that evolution is real in an effort you see in an effort to direct people away from the Bible or away from God they only doing a disservice to themselves and again it's the ignorance behind it that makes it worse the arrogance of their ignorance is what makes it worse. Uh, also, when it comes to the saints, okay, and this thing on evolution, uh, I used to say, oh, actually, I just started saying this, but I've always thought about it this way, that fact is sometimes stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when it comes to... Uh, when it when it comes to the church, when it comes to the saints, sometimes is you know we hear like uh, all the things that we are, we have been taught in school, you know, billions of years ago. It starts to sound it sounds true, you know, oh billions of years, and you know I was guilty of trying to figure out how do I fit billions of years into creation, and. My first attempt was to try and use the scripture that says that uh, with God is a thousand a thousand years is a day and a day a thousand years. I tried I attempted to use that that logic in the creation, but it didn't make any sense because I I if I was to use that or apply that, I would only get six thousand seven thousand years that God created, but 
there are uh, I, I abandoned the allegorical creation uh, perspective and just went ahead and accepted what made perfect sense. Six days. Six days God created the world and everything in it, as Moses said in when he was telling the children and how they should uh, go about their daily tasks. But you have saints who have tr- have, have attempted to use this gap theory uh, in order to reconcile evolution. And sometimes they, they knowingly do it, and again, sometimes they unknowingly do it. But the, work, the, the thing about this is that evolution is a religion of Satan. And for, I don't think I was on the phone, you all were on the phone when I uh, first started, and I was just talking about my experience in Spirit Lid and as an admin and how unbelievers would come in. We push them out. We, we would have, a, you know, we would have the debate and let everybody see. You know, I said, this is what they talk about. This is how you counter the unbelievers when they come up against you when it comes to the word of God. And we push them out. The BHR came in, we pushed them out. The New Ages came in, we pushed them out. Uh-huh. Then the New Ages came, I mean, the Kemet folk came and we pushed them out, and then the New Ages came. And for some reason, they weren't pushed out. And so now, the same way that Satan cast doubt on the word of God, these people were allowed to do that in that group. And I'm using it because... We've all witnessed it, and we see the results. And as why I was saying, think, why do you think they weren't pushed out? Why do you think they were allowed to stay? Well, because uh, you know, uh, John Moore brought it up earlier. Uh, he asked the same question, and as I was telling him, uh, the attempt to win them over. Uh, the majority of the admins disagreed with trying with that tactic, but you know, saying nothing was done, and you know, a little leaven leavened the whole the whole lump, and that's what happened. And it caused a schism. It caused a schism between the admins, and then the split happened, and then the group was tore down, or you know, left up and to itself, and another one was created, and. As you, you know, again, as you witness, one of the unbelievers, an antichrist was made an administrator of a Christian, of a so-called Christian group. And the word of God was continuously and still is continuously, continuously attacked. And it's the same tactic as Satan in the garden. He attacked the word of God. Yea. Half God said. And just like the woman in the garden, this is what she said. She says, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. This is exactly what happened. They pe- people who come under this influence, under this deception, the saints 
I'm talking about the saints now. When they come under this delusion or this influence, they begin to rest the scriptures. They begin to add or take away. Satan, Satan lied. He took away from what the scripture said, or he took away from what God's word said. His word said that you shall die. He he told Adam that he should die. He told him. He told him. So what happened? Some people start trying to find excuses. Well, the woman wasn't there because she wasn't created yet. So now we start adding all these unnecessary situations, and what happens? Confusion begins to set in. Confusion begins to set in on a simple topic as the woman being deceived. Oh, now there was a woman before Eve. Oh, now there were two women created, one in, uh, one in Genesis 1 and another in Genesis 2. The confusion. Yes. The confusion starts because that doubt has been cast on the word of God. Was it literal six days? Was it not? Was it literal six days? It can't be because uh, you got the dinosaurs and all the stuff. stuff. So, again, like I said, uh, when saints allow themselves to be infiltrated like this, the confusion begins and then slowly but surely the uh the unbelievers they start picking apart the saints. They start picking them apart. And instead of the body of Christ doing what it's supposed to do and rejecting these people or knocking the dust off of our feet, we coddle them. I'm not saying we, but you know, the people who coddle them now, look at them. Look at them. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're saying. Look at what they're saying. Uh, I just recently saw a picture of, uh, what's his name, Kurt Franklin. And for some reason, in, his, yeah, in, a, in an attempt to straddle the fence, he has fallen off. He's fallen off. Why? Because he didn't separate himself from that ungodly anti-Christian environment, and this is uh, this particular verse is brought to my attention. Be not be not deceived. Bad influences corrupt good manners, or, or the King James version says, uh, "Bad, you know, bad uh, intentions. Well, bad intentions corrupt good uh, manners, but." Um, that, that's, I'm just paraphrasing the, the verse, but um, that's yeah. Uh, in, in the second, um, yeah. I think first uh, Corinthians, yeah, first Corinthians, uh, fifteen thirty-three. Be not deceived; evil communications corrupt the listeners. Yep. Yeah, and that's true. And uh, well, before I go on, anybody else want want to add to that or have anything to put out? Well, there's a scripture that I apply to this that seemingly not too many others, uh, and that is the one that says, if any come unto you and bring not the doctrine of Christ, invite them not into your house, neither be them God's seed. And I guess folk want to go by the letter and make that apply to where you live, 
But I look at the spirit of that and and say, for instance, whatever, that's your page or your discussion group, that's like your house. And if you know people are not coming to learn anything, they're coming to teach something, they're coming to tear down what you have, uh, then you don't invite them in, you don't bid them Godspeed, so you take care of that. But then people want to say, well, somebody might learn something. I don't think God's all that interested in what we're learning except what we learn about Christ. That's true. Uh, that comes from Second uh, John one ten. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into house, neither bid him God speed. But he that bideth him God speed is a bar- is a partaker of his evil deed. That's right. I'm right. curious. Does that apply to believers who have false doctrines as well? Yes. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so as well. Um now looking at the application, you know what I'm saying? Like No, and, and I'm not saying the ones that speak in ignorance, but I mean like intentionally and they won't even accept corrections, those guys. Well yeah, yeah. you can look at um, Romans sixteen and seventeen. Right. Yeah, I I brought that up uh, a little earlier. Um, false converts, you know what I'm saying? They come in as one of us, and then they begin to teach these uh, false doctrines. And it's like, it's clear that this person doesn't want to learn. It's clear. You know what I'm saying? This person doesn't want to learn. He want to put out his own doctrine, what he's learned. Exactly. And no matter what you tell him, no matter how many times you show them, these people, no matter how many times you show them that what they are saying is not biblical, and they will argue up and down that, it's ba- that it should be taken off of a private interpretation. These type of people should not be tolerated in a group full of Christians, in a church full of Christians. Christians in a fellowship full of Christians. They should not be tolerated at all. You know, the same thing might be happening in the groups uh, that's happened in the churches. Uh, that pastor, whoever he is or she is, they're interested in that group increasing in size. Right. Sometimes uh, I think people are more interested in numbers that they are the truth. And uh, and so sometimes, you know, cause like, say, for instance, you mentioned the Hebrew Israelites. They don't make any secret of the fact that that's who they are and what they believe, and they don't mind calling Jesus' names. They don't mind calling Christians' names and all that kind of stuff. So at that point, why are you still allowing them to stay in the group and say, that's what has bothered my mind. Well, I I think, um, if I can answer that, it's David, by the way. Um, I I think that it's just like you said, you know, the the person that started the group is more interested in numbers. Um, I had a pastor, you know, I'm just going to put it in modern terms, money and members. You know, I had a pastor popularize that phrase, M&Ms, money and members. And 
so this is what we have. We, we have a lot that the spirit of compromise, the spirit of, of, um, and and and, not, and and the thing about it is that the spirit of compromise is more dangerous than a person that is a straight out modernist, a person that tells you that hey, I don't believe in God. I don't believe that the Bible is the word of God. I don't believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the only unique, only begotten son of God. I don't believe that. But when you have an individual, when you have a Christian that professes to be of Christ, he comes into your fellowship. He comes into your church. He's a part of your church. He serves on your deacon board, elder board, or whatever the case may be. However the ministry is constructed, he can tell you that he's a Christian and then turn right around and teach false doctrine and intermingle it with the truth. He can put in rock music into his um <clears throat> he can put rock music into his um worship services. You know, and, and his excuse is well or his his uh, his excuse is going to be well it's gonna it's gonna bring in more youth. We we've got to be culturally irrelevant. We've got to be we gotta speak their language in order to win them for Christ because we can't speak about all of the deep doctrinal uh things of the Lord of the Bible because it's gonna talk it's gonna go over their heads and we're gonna scare them off and they're gonna end up going somewhere else and they you know, they're gonna end up going doing whatever. So their excuse, their philosophy, their belief is, well, we've got to include them so that they're not feeling left out and we'll change. And this is almost like getting into a relationship. You know this guy or this this woman is crazy, but he'll stay in the relationship because I don't want to lose the fellowship. I don't want to lose, I don't want to be alone and and I think uh, there is a little bit of that in in terms of the um, what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about is, and, and that's compromise. Compromise is more dangerous. You've got Billy Graham, you've got Perry Noble, all of the the uh, the stars of the emergent seeker sensitive movement. Perry Noble, Stephen Furtick, Brian McLaren, Rob Bell. All of these guys are liberals. They're just totally unbelievers. Rick Warren, they don't believe, they're trying to syncretize all of the world religions, all of the false religions into, with Christianity. You, you have a mess. This is what Constantine did back in AD 13, 313. He tried to syncretize all of the Babylonian ancient pagan religions and tried to make them Christian. He tried to um, unify the religion, and this is what we see in Revelation chapter 17. Uh, we see this in the church with Rick Wong, with this Chris Lam thing, and I'm going to be talking about this, all of it, come Sunday, you know, the whole syncretizing of the world religions and trying to make them on the same level as Jesus Christ and his word. Uh, you, you know about the chemists. They do the same thing, um, GT. Uh, they... they tried to say, well, Jesus Christ was born on December the 25th, so so was uh, this guy, and so was that guy, and so was this God. And we got Dr. Nicole said the same thing. We've got up to 62 other gods saying that they were born on Christmas Day. And so, you know, who's to say that Jesus Christ is, is, is God? Because he's just like all the other avatars and all the other, uh, like Confucius and all the other 
uh, religious world leaders or the religious founders of different religions, you know, they pretty much have said the same thing. They've all claimed to be exclusive. All right. Anybody who says something like that, to me, that is the telltale sign that they do not know the Lord. Uh, I can't, you know, I prove, I, I, I took this little, uh, it's not a cliche, I'm not sure what you call it, but there's this thing that folk used to say, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And I took this and put myself on trial, and I could not convict myself because everything that I could think of that I could give as an answer in a courtroom, an unbeliever could do the same thing. My only proof is invisible. It's inside. It's the change that I know that's been made in me that I had absolutely nothing to do with. And statements like that I could never make without denying my own self. And so um, a lot of times it's just knowing the truth and hearing what a person says. Could a true believer actually make that statement? Because there's a lot of religion going on. And, and, and like you say, everything from the world and New Age and all stuff is being brought into it and dressed up, and they, and people think it's okay. And that's why a lot of times when I post stuff, when I ask questions, and, and I and I always feel like I'm being led by the Spirit to do it. I may miss it sometimes. But it's all centered around where is that in the Bible? Where is that? Where is anything like that in the Bible? Where does this come from? And so, and, and people... Uh, have more of a tendency to read into the scriptures what they've heard already and what they've been taught already as opposed to letting the scriptures speak to them. And and, uh, and and so we go around repeating stuff, thinking we got it from the scriptures, but it's actually what somebody told us was in the scriptures. And then when you, when somebody else points it out to you, that's not in the scriptures. Scripture actually says this. And then they look at it and they say, hmm. And they never saw it because they were reading into the scriptures what they had been told was in there. So when they went in there to read it, they looked for it and they saw it. And, you know, I, I, I often apply what the Lord Jesus said about you, you seek and you find. Well, that's not always seeking something good. If you seek something bad or evil, whatever you look for, you're going to find it. It's like, somebody gossiping to you about somebody that you haven't met, then when you met that, meet that person, you're going to be looking for what that person told you, and nine times out of ten, you're going to see it. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's one of those things. It's just got uh, too much stuff mixed in, like you said, and uh, the truth is, is the only thing that, that people are free from that if they have a heart for it. Well, yeah. Um, it's The problem is with the whole secretism movement is there the world, especially the religious world, is trying to deny or trying to more or less take away Jesus Christ's uniqueness. Yeah. Yeah. Look at uh, John chapter fourteen verse six. Jesus said and this is a quote 
of exclusivity. I am. Now, notice I'm going to stop right there because the word, the two words there, I am, was words. It says, I am the way. Now, the word I am is is, is symbolic. Well, I don't want to use the word symbolic, but it's uh, it's in the indefinite form. And for all of those who know anything about English grammar or parts of speech, the word I am is in an, in an indefinite form, which means it's a, it's, it's a statement of exclusivity. It's a statement of, okay, this is who I am. This is me. It's, it's very possessive. Like I'm me. sorry. It's very possessive, correct. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's an incredibly possessive statement. Well, yeah, it's a possessive indefinite statement. And that's what I was saying. But it's saying that this is who I am and ain't nobody else like me. And anybody else who is like me is a fraud. So the word, so John fourteen six says, I am the way, the truth. Okay, so now let's deconstruct or let's uh, examine or take apart the meaning of those words. I am the way. Now, what is the way? The way is our belief system. The gospel. The gospel, Christianity. Now, people say, well, Christianity is not a, rela- it's not a religion. It's a relationship. No, it's both. It's both. You better preach. You better preach. One thing I learned about this form of, I guess you could say, false doctrine or insemination of lies is that they are very prone to redefining what is because, and forgive me if I say this, the enemy is familiar with the fact that people don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Half these people can't, they don't even understand the English language, let alone how to speak, read, or comprehend. Yet they go out and try to study etymologies and so on and so forth, and they end up getting caught up in a bunch of foolishness. That's the exact point that I was uh, making earlier that, you know what I'm saying, uh, a lot of saints get so caught up. They get so caught up in, uh, I guess, a, they get so caught up in some of these discussions with these unbelievers, and they become, I call it, paranoid. You know what I'm saying? They become so paranoid that anything, anything outside of the scriptures that the scriptures actually validate uh, or affirm you know what I'm saying, like uh like you were just saying, like the uh, the word the word there for I am uh I am the way and how David went into the background of the grammar. It's, that's that's a subject there, grammar. And you can tell when you teach people the correct grammar and the basic and simple definition of a word they go out of their way because they've heard something bad about that particular way of explaining things or that particular word, like that, like the word Christian or Christianity. Say, oh, no, you know, I'm not going you know to that. I, and I, I hate to cut you off, but you know what it is? The reason why people come against things like that is because of the demonization of education. 
Yeah. I know it's I, I know it sounds crazy, but a lot yeah. of people, a lot of, a lot of nominal Christians have I'm the idea. I'm so glad you brought that up, Jamel. So they glad. have the idea, and I don't know where they got this idea from. They have the idea that someone who goes to school or learns for whatever reason is being indoctrinated by men. I don't know where they got this idea from. So I don't know if they that? understand. I don't know where they, they. I don't know where they get the separation. I don't know if they even understand the separation between indoctrination and education. It's a big difference. If well, let me, uh, if I may uh, enter in here, there's two things. Uh, I am one of those who say Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And what I find a lot of times is when, like, whoever said it's both, um, I'm sure they can explain why they say it's both, just like I can explain why I say it's one or the other. And once we determine what we're using the same words, or do we mean the same thing? And once we uh, talk about what he means by what he said and what I mean by what I say, then we might find that we really don't disagree. It just sounds like because of the way we stated it. Uh, The other thing, uh, it's my experience that... As far as education is concerned, not necessarily secular education, but religious education. A lot of times, I and I mean, I know numerous people personally who had one type of testimony prior to going to seminary, and when they came out of seminary, it was totally different. Hold uh, on, hey, John, hold on, hold on for a second. Hey, okay. Somebody's got a lot of background noise. If you can mute your phone, please. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you talking about John Moore? No, no, no. I was saying I couldn't. I couldn't hear what you were saying. I was asking somebody to mute their phone. Go ahead, yes. uh, John. Go ahead. Continue, please. Well, those were the two things that I wanted to. Uh, well, I just wanted to say something about the educational part. It's been my experience that a lot of people that go to seminary. Uh, they come out with less faith than before they went in. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, you know, need to argue that point because there are plenty of people who are educated who have all the faith that God would uh, allow them to express. Uh, Paul was educated, so that's not a big deal, but he did say not many of them were called. Uh, but right. I would like to hear uh, the the person who said, Christianity. That was Jamal. Religion was and relationship. Oh, that, that was, was that was David. That was David. Yeah, no. But before before you even speak, David, please please give me two seconds. Go ahead. We aren't necessarily speaking of a theological education, whereas I I'm not shunning theological education. There's nothing wrong. In my opinion, there's nothing wrong with it. It gets hazy when you go through nomination and things of that nature. But I don't want to get into that. I'm talking about basic education. For some odd reason, people seem to think that once they become a Christian, they are to forsake all of the things they learned in elementary school. Context mm-hmm. clues. Right. That's, that's elementary school. Comprehension. Yeah. Compre- reading comprehension, that's elementary school. When you come into the faith, you don't reject education and, and oh, oh, the Holy – you telling me the Holy Spirit doesn't guide you into basic knowledge? The, the Bible doesn't say that it's going to guide you into truth within the Scriptures. It says, oh – Truth, period, and point blank. Right. Well, definition, uh, definition of words. Go ahead, Dave. 
Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to respond to uh, Mr. Moore's uh, comment. Um, when I mentioned, uh, the, the, when I said that Christianity is both a religion and a relationship, that mm-hmm. we, I, I based that off of John chapter 1 through and, and 26, where the, uh, the James places a, or draws the line of demarcation between bad religion and good religion. My God. Now, we have a tendency to believe that all religion is bad because of either our experiences were negative or we came in contact with someone who was teaching false doctrine or we came in contact with an individual who was more or less like a seeker-sensitive type of individual who was trying to, you know, he, who said, well, you know, we don't need all this theological education. We don't need to know who the real or the right God is as long as, you know, or he'll say, well, God is your buddy and your friend. Well, no, God is God. You know, he, he's, he's your friend in the sense of you're trying to, you're, you know him in the pardon of your sins, but we need to respect him. We need to honor him as God, the creator of the universe. And the reason why so many seeker sensitives and so many emergents will tell you that oh, God is just your buddy and your friend, he, they're trying to lower God to man's standards. And it's like me and Najiti being buds and friends, or me and uh, Jamel and Darian or whoever. They're trying to remove structure. Yeah, you know, we, we're we're just shaking hands and like, yo, what's up? What's going on? You know, what's what, how, how's it do, how's it going or whatever. Well, that's not God. You know, you, you look at Isaiah fifty-five. You know, His ways are not our ways, nor our thoughts our thoughts. Exactly. As the mount as the heavens. Are from you know from the earth is this is how our thoughts are from God's thoughts, so we can't use, we can't put God in the same dimension okay. as man, but we it try a, to. <clears throat> no, I just wanted to say here's something I've been saying recently. Uh, in the beginning, God created man in His own image. Since the beginning, man has been trying to create God in His image. Right. Well. You, well, yeah, God is. Uh, man has been trying to uh, put God in His image, or remake exactly. God, or redefine who God is, and we see this in a lot of churches. I've already talked about this during my cult series last year, or the the, the uh, last portion of the, uh, the the year previous. That what a cult does, what a group or an aberrant group does, is redefine words. And what are these words? Well, the words are salvation, faith, divine uh, inspiration, fear. and salvation. Don't forget what fear. To, I'm sorry? Don't forget fear. Sin. So what, what does it mean to be saved? Well, according to the word of God, we believe that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you are saved, not of yourselves, as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 4, 5, He that worketh not, to him it is counted for righteousness. 
Now, let's go over to Romans 8. You know, now for now there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after not the flesh but after the spirit. So now there's nowhere near that it doesn't, those scriptures that I just mentioned has nothing to do with works. Salvation is a act of God's supernatural work. Now then, they, uh, Cults also redefine the work and the person of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, to the New Age, Jesus Christ is just some figment of our our imagination. And as a matter of fact, we all have a, divine, a spark of the Christ spirit within us. So we all know anybody with half a brain would, would know, or any Christian anyway, would know that that's not true. That's totally against what, what the Word of God says. Well, but Can we, me, let me get, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, but, but let me get back to my point on the answer to John's question. Religion is, or good religion, is what we believe in. We are saved. We are Christians. We call ourselves Christians. The first Christians were, well, the, uh, uh, they, they were called Christians. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Where is Antioch? Near Jerusalem, where the truth was being told and and so um our relationship is therefore our salvation where you know we, we are joint heirs with Christ and we have the ability to get on our knees and pray and ask God for provision we 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 have the you know we have the ability to get as Christians we have the ability to uh talk to God through prayer and get our petitions, uh, to send our petitions to him, to, you know, because the Bible says that um, we, you know, we can go to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. So that's our relationship. Because, and the only reason why we have a relationship with God is through what Christ Jesus did. We would not have had a relationship with God if it had not been for Jesus Christ, period. Exactly. So right. that's... Where you would literally I, have to conduct religion. Oh my God! Yeah, it's now, exactly what religion—you know—false religion is. Now, true religion is what I just got finished explaining, and there is where I draw the line. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, what I mean when I say we don't have a religion, we have a relationship. Uh, we have actually been born into God's family, and it is a gift. Uh, and we have a true relationship, father-son or father-child relationship with God. And when I'm talking about religion, I'm I'm talking about religion that says, that means I have to do some type of work in order to please God. So when I say not religion, we don't have to do anything to please God to, to get saved. We are saved, we're given the gift of eternal life for trusting in Christ, his finished work on the cross, and that brings us into a relationship. We are born into the family by the Holy Spirit. And so, Amen. So, so looking at what you said and what I'm saying, again, we don't have any disagreement, I don't think. No. Uh, <laughs> that's not the thing. What you're, discussing, what you're discussing isn't religion. Religion, religion, bare bones defined, is conduct indicating a set of beliefs. 
that's exactly what religion is. People tend to think, think that religion itself is some kind of commerce, a trade, a, 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 I give you, you give me, and that's not the case. That's not the case. It's conduct indicating a set of beliefs. So if I am a son of God, Christian, if I'm a Christian, then I am going to conduct myself in, in accordance with what I believe or what I am. The relationship itself brings about my religion or my works, I should say. Let's, let's, even, let's reword the definition itself. Works indicating a set of beliefs. And that's I pretty much, yeah, that sums up what James said. You know, faith without works is dead. Like, our works, I was saying, our works come after we have the relationship wherein religious works is what they think is going to give them the relationship. Right, well, that's and, that's a bad, and that's a bad religion. Uh, exactly. They, man, works, works, right. salvation. And that is that now, we would look at people like that and call them religious because that's all that they have. They don't have a true relationship. Exactly. They exactly. have religion, and that's yeah, all. They that have. They and, have. and the indicator, like like the GT said, the indicator is exactly what James says. He says, "He who has a religion or conducts himself in a manner, but is not able to bridle his tongue, his tongue, his religion is in vain. His works are in vain." That's literally you can literally like switch out religion in that text with the word works. Right. Yep. Like verbatim, you can literally switch it out with work. So when people, I hate when people say, well, religion is bad. And no, that's not true. Because at the end of the day, we as Christians produce works, but we don't call them works. For some odd reason, people are afraid of the word works. So you know what we say? And I love God for this. Fruit. Fruit. Right. We bear fruit. Galatians mm-hmm. 5. And no matter how, and no matter how people try to, avoid being exposed, thanks be to God that he has given us this type of understanding so that we can look at people's religion, we can look at people's works, and we can look at people's fruits to see who they actually belong to, to the good tree or to the bad tree. And we already know, uh, you know what I'm saying, we're going to talk about uh, trees, the olive, the uh, the olive tree, and this, this this wild tree over here. Jesus said that you know what I'm saying a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, and neither does a bad tree produce good fruit. So you shall know them by their fruits, and that's uh, and that was the main point that I wanted to point out about these. Uh, false converts. GT broke. You please read James verbatim and include works in that text so that we we can understand it as God intended it. Now there is there's a verse or two that I very seldom ever hear anybody mention. Uh, it's in John six uh, twenty eight, where it says, "Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God?" In verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom God has sent. And, of course, I like to use believe and trust 
because I think in the original language that trust is in there where we don't really get that in Amen. English. Amen. 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 It's definitely trust. Now here's James one twenty six. If any man among you seem to be religious <laughs> and bridleless not his tongue, <laughs> but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna replace it. I'm gonna replace it with works. Yes. If we, any man among you seem to seems be, to be working, <laughs> <laughs> preach, please preach, bro. I'm sorry. I gotta be my phone right. Seem to be religious and bridleless not his tongue, but deceiving his own heart. This man's works is in vain. So yeah. Now, the reason why James says that he brides not his tongue, because one of the very fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes me to uh, what Jesus said about that which comes out of the body is is not what defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth, because it's the mouth that man speaks, and it is that which defiles him, because it comes out of his heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. Amen. And if anyone is having a hard time, if you, if you saints out there, my fellow Christians, if y'all are out there and you're dealing with false converse, and you can't really tell, look look at their fruit. Look at the fruit of their mouth. Look at the fruit of their of, of their behavior. Look at all it. Look at their works. And you judge by the Spirit whether or not that person is of Christ or not. And if you find out, remove yourself away from that, that person or those people. Because now I pulled up a verse here, and I I quoted it earlier. It's from Proverbs, Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Least thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. I was saying earlier and when we associate ourselves with certain people and we are in their midst, and we being saints, we are the saint, we are the body of Christ, and if we allow certain people to remain around us and they are not, uh, they're not believers, they don't believe in the word of God, they have their own private interpretation of the word, they try to sound all philosophical and sound all deep, Believe it or not, you will begin to pick up those bad habits, and you will find yourself doing exactly what they do. A, a simple answer, a simple answer will turn into a long paragraph for no reason at all. But didn't Paul say uh, bad company corrupts good character? 
<laughs> yeah, but right, yeah. Right on, right on top of the scripture that he read about anger, an angry man. You know, I I found myself in my mind once he finished reading, it, uh, it comes to my mind because the anger of man works not the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that that could be put right there on top of those two scriptures. Uh, because mm-hmm. they're both true. Right. Yep. So um, that was that was one of the main points I wanted to point out um, about these false converts because I'm starting to see like they are truly mobilizing and if. It's a real phenomenon. Again, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And Satan is most definitely on the move. His minions are on the move because he is—he's not God. He can't—he's not like God. He can't be omnipresent, uh, omnipotent, or anything. He's not that. But he has his own angels, his own demons that he used to bring havoc upon the church. But believe it or not, we literally are soldiers. And in the spirit, we wear the whole armor of God. We wear the whole I was going to say, see, can you add to that list? He not only has all the things you just named, but what about his nature being in every human? Sort of like an autopilot that's constantly fighting against the spirit, the spirit within the believer, and of course just controlling the unbeliever. That that's in nature. Oh yeah, most definitely yes. And again, uh, that reminds me of what uh, Paul said about uh, uh, fighting against uh, the flesh because. You know, the flesh is of the world, and you, know, you have right. the spirit, you have the flesh, man. So, you know, it's always, it's always going to be a constant battle until we are taken up and uh, put into our spiritual house. That's right. So we have, uh, we have a, a real war, and that's where we come in at as the saints, as the body of Christ. We have to hold one another accountable. That's where that comes in at. You know, if, I, if I'm in error, okay, somebody put me in my place. If you're in error, you have to be willing to be put in your place. You have to be humble. We all have to be humble and say, well, let me take a step back and take a breather. All right, let's jump back on this horse and get you up home or whatever. <laughs> but, well, you know, that reminds me of once in a while, uh, somebody will accuse me of always wanting to be right. So I always respond with, well, who wants to be wrong? <laughs> I said, say, of course I like to be right. I said, that's why I like to be corrected when I'm wrong so I can be right. <laughs> so that's, that, that comes with the territory, being corrected when you're wrong so you can be right. Because nobody wants to be uh, wrong. 
and and so, but you know, uh, I want to throw this in while I'm thinking of it. Um, I think it's something that uh, believers uh, forget that seems like Father has made me so conscious of, and that is that fleshly nature that we have. That the scripture talks about that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That is what we're fighting in as believers. That's in us. We carry around with us all the time. And I and I like to point out that, you know, God could have just said the heart of man is deceitful and wicked. And that would have been enough. But when God Almighty got to add adjectives like above all things and desperately wicked, then I think that thing needs to be paid attention to. Otherwise, it's already got you deceived. And and, and so being conscious of how tricky and how deceitful uh, that sinful nature can be, Mm -hmm. you you don't trifle with it. Uh, We have to learn how to watch every thought because if you if you're not watching the way you think there's no way you're going to bring every thought into captivity right you took the scripture right out of my head uh having the body under subjection self-discipline things of that nature yeah oh what about uh, that old the spirit that everybody forgot about that's hanging out there called self-control <laughs> right uh, and while you was while you was talking, uh, J- uh, James came right back in my head, and this is uh, chapter one, verse thirteen. It says, uh, and I'll read a few a few down. He says, "Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But mm-hmm. every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own type." Oh. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So as you were saying, you know, that that destructive nature that's in us, in our flesh, we are constantly at battle with, and uh, to trifle with that, as you said, in a way of playing around with it, uh, just not testing it out or, you know. Or ignoring it. Right. You play, you playing with fire, you're going to get burnt. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to get burnt. And now, you can't blame fire. You can't blame Yeah, Brother, yeah, Brother Hawkins. Yes. Could you pronounce your first name again for me? Uh, Nijiti. Nijiti or Nijiti? Nijiti. N-E-G-T. Now, you know how I've been pronouncing that until tonight? What is that? Negative. Uh, <laughs> Negative. <laughs> That's it, too. I'm <laughs> I I That is a name. That is a name. I answer, I answer by that name because I know people can't pronounce it. So you cool with that? Well, you feel I said it. Well, that's that's why you know I wanted to make sure I had it right. So now I know. Yeah. Can, I also, <laughs> can we also discuss for a hot second the rejection of exclusivity between uh, Israel and the church and, and, and the 
Gentiles. People tend to take that scripture from James, and the first thing they'll say is, Oh, that is not me, for I okay, am now. a Gentile believer. Mind you, hey, you Jamel. in that very same chapter. Jamel. Can you hear me? Yes. Now, whoever, whoever, whoever can hear him clearly, repeat what he said when he's finished. Yeah, Jamel, you're going in and out, bro. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. It's the phone, man. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is, can we discuss the, I want to say, separate exclusivity that everyone seems to have in regards to being Gentile or Jew? Because with that James 1 scripture that we were just reading, that passage, people tend to take it. And mind you, the message within that scripture is universal across the board to both Gentile and Jew simply because that James is speaking to a believer. He's speaking to believers. He's not speaking to just Jews or Gentiles. Yes, they may be Jewish believers, but we must understand that they're believers nonetheless. Right. The exact same application in regards to James 1 and 26. If a Gentile seems religious, <laughs> but he can't hold his tongue, his religion is in vain, as does the same thing apply to a Jew. There's no separation there. That message, that application goes across the board. Many people tend to reject it simply because James might have been writing to Jewish believers. Well, here's the way I think about all this stuff that's written in there. Number one, I'm trying to get in the habit of not referring to Paul said or John said, but always saying the Holy Spirit said because he is the author. That's Amen. Right. That way I keep myself focused on who, who, who really wrote that Bible whose mind uh, it came from. The Amen. other is... Actually, but he Paul put, addressed that. He said, don't say you've come from Apollos or Paul right. or something like that. So, and the other thing, when I look at the scriptures, uh, and this is, this is the just part, just a little bitty part of the awesomeness of God, and that is how he can write a letter to a person to a group of saints in a city. But that word is for the New Testament Church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Period. Whether they, Amen. Regardless of where they Amen. came from in a fleshly sense. But if you're, if you're born again, that, that, that's, that New Testament is for you. It's for you, exactly. I don't know why people seem to think that the Jews are separate from the Gentiles. No, the church is inclusive to both Jew and Gentile. In fact, Ephesians 4 says, one body, one well, God, one baptism. Where are you getting right. the division from? It's only separate from the nation who has not received him as their Messiah and king. You better faith. preach. You Somebody better preach. Yeah. And they are called, considered unbelievers. Exactly. Right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the, they are the ones who blindness in part has happened unto. But but Jewish people who have who are who are they call themselves Vegetarian Jews, but they're just Christians. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're Christians. Exactly. <laughs> you better preach. That's the one thing I try to get people to understand when it comes to this whole uh discussion about Israel and the church. Because it leads into uh sometimes uh it leads some saints into uh, the doctrine of replacement theology. The theology, exactly. that's not it. Nope, that's not it. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, the church doesn't replace 
Israel, and Israel does not replace the church. That's right. Anybody who comes comes to Christ, they are part of the body of Christ. Period. (laughs) They are of the body of Christ. Let's break it down. Let's go further. This one body is composed of many parts. Paul addressed this. This doesn't just apply to gifts, and this is why I love the word of God, because Darian, I wish he was on the phone. If he's not, he would say this exact same phrase, the never-ending, the inexhaustible riches of God. That's what the word of God is to me, inexhaustible riches. Check this out. Paul says that each function of the body has a completely different attribute. They They have something completely different than the other. They have something completely different, meaning, yes, in that particular context, he was speaking of gifts. But the exact same thing applies to nationality. You may be a Jew, you may be a Gentile, but under Christ, who is the head, you are of one body. Body, right. If you look at the way the body works, there's not a single part of your body that's autonomous. Oh, man. It's all, every single part, though they differ, though they have different functions, they're all working together for that one body, and they're, and they're all controlled from that one head, and they're all possessed by the one spirit. Amen. Amen. Bingo. Amen. Hence, hence, one body, one God. One Baptist. Yeah, he didn't say right. he didn't say one true. Jewish body and one Gentile body. He says one body. <laughs> and 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 brother, let me tell you something. Uh, and, and I believe it on my heart. The Lord showed me this: that the gifts, number one, man, they never leave I got you the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm about to have me on. I got people on. They never leave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always the one operating the gift through whatever believer it is, whatever the gift is. And all of the gifts, all of the gifts are always with the Holy Spirit. So he can actually use any gift through any believer because he's in every believer. All he needs is a yielded vessel. And, 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 the, and the scripture that, 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 that God used to show me this, you remember when, when, when the Lord Jesus was preaching somewhere, uh, teaching, and they said, your mother and your brothers are looking for you? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, yes. who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my brother? He looked out yeah. the crowd, and he said, they that do the will of my father, they are my mother and they are my brother. Well, in the well, same way, when, when we're in the body of Christ, I'm sitting over here in Kannapolis, North Carolina. You all somewhere else. I mean, I may walk across the street tomorrow, and the Lord and the Holy Spirit in my neighbor may 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 become any gift that that I need for the moment through any. It'll be, ne- it'll be completely necessitated, bro. Let's let's touch on that real quick. One thing that just hit me is that if I can't get my right hand up, I can still use my left hand. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Are you tracking what I'm saying? I may not be able to get you out of my right ear. <laughs> my left. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm about to hit. I'm about to hit y'all with a series of scriptures right now. Okay, first I'm gonna go to First Corinthians six nineteen. 
What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own? For ye are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Are you Holy sure you spirit. want to do a series or you want to stop with that one? But that's a lot in there. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to let y'all take it, but I want to say this first. The, which I was saying, what you were saying earlier, how the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, the gift, never leave the Holy Ghost. We operate exactly. under the Holy Ghost. That's how we use our gift. That's how the gifts are used. The Holy Ghost is the one who is the power that we operate under, no matter what it is, when it happens, however God wants it to happen. If, like Jesus said, you're about to get persecuted, don't premeditate what you're going to say because there's going to be the Holy Spirit that's in you that will speak on on that occasion. And here's where it all culminated for me. The Lord Jesus himself made this statement. It is not I, but the Father in me that does the work. Even commanding his his apostles, the scripture says, he through the Holy Spirit gave commandments to his apostles. See, everything is by the Spirit. We act like we have control of the Spirit to use. Of the Spirit. Oh, man. Right. You better know Where is the sovereignty of God in that situation? How can you control one thing that has ultimate control? My goodness. It is a power. It's the Holy Ghost. I mean, He's God. He is God. I don't understand. Exactly. People, people, and people forget that. Now that scripture, that scripture that you read about we not being our own, I believe that that one understanding, if every single believer had it, understood it, and accepted it, it would change all of Christianity in a moment. And that is, if we actually accept it that we don't belong to ourselves and shouldn't be living for ourselves and actually start doing that. <laughs> all of these believers out here seem to have resurrected that person who's supposed to be dead and all the dreams oh, that person had, that's what they're trying to fulfill. And all the, 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 all the gifts that they had, all the talents that they had, all the hobbies that they had, now they're becoming ministry. You better preach. What it is is, they haven't come to a denial of self. That's what it is. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. They haven't come to a denial of self. It's still I, 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 me, me. I, I, This I, is what mind you. Every time Paul, if you ever know, I don't know if you guys have studied the prescripts, it's the very first introduction of Paul. It's actually the introduction to the introduction. It's usually the first, second, or third verses of the, of the scripture. Paul introduces himself. He'll say, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ. Paul, a slave of Christ. Mind you, apostle speaking through power authority. Slave, he's talking about ownership. He doesn't even belong to Paul. The one that wrote 13, what is it, 13 to 17 books of the New Testament? He fully, completely understood the fact that he himself did not belong to himself. He's a slave to Christ. <laughs> I heard I heard some of what you were saying. Uh, you was kind of going in and out there. I hate this phone. I hate this phone. 
The point well, I, I, I tell you, brothers, um, I have something, and I'm ashamed to say this. Uh, I've been paying for it, I know, for a couple of years, and I still haven't learned how to use it. Has there, have any of you brothers ever heard of uh, Talk Fusion? Talk Fusion? No, I haven't heard. Talk it is, it's supposed to be a video conferencing tool. And I have this thing, and I haven't even learned how to learn how to use it. And I got the thing for the sole purpose of having discussions like this. And so, what I'm going to do is make sure within the next week or so, I learn how to use that thing, and maybe we can set these up on that, where only not only we can hear each other, but we can see each other too. Yeah, you know, um, we are all about supporting one another. And, uh, you know, we base this off of the fact that, like, in, in, I'm pretty sure in your neighborhood, my neighborhood, you can go within a two-mile radius and run into about 15 churches. Oh, yeah. The problem is they never can't, they never come together, especially for the empowerment or the betterment of the neighborhood. Usually is in, like, uh, it don't even matter what type of neighborhood is in. We just know that a, a lot of these churches do not come together because these pastors are always in competition. And we were actually inspired. We were inspired to come together to to stop this vicious circle because, uh, you know, David, Mel, Darian, myself, uh, I. Me and David, we go back. We go back at least eight, nine years. Uh, Jamel and Darian, they stay in the same area, and they minister. Me and David minister, and Darian has his group, uh, Kingdom Fire. And then, you know, shortly after I left Spirit Led, I cre- well, I then had Bible study group up, uh, but I re, you know. Uh, erased all the old stuff that was up there and just started anew and just, you know, just left it up there. But we decided to come together and say, hey, you know, let's promote one another and uh, on all of on our, all of our network, on, on our groups and within the uh, discussions that we have so that people can, uh, so we can reach a larger crowd. And it's not about numbers, but it's more so trying to come together for the glory of God. And I'm telling you, it's been a very powerful thing. Uh, like I said earlier, Brother Jamel, he created the website, Common Sense and Reason. You might have seen that in the Bible study group. Uh, that's our website. And, you know, Jamel has done an awesome job on it. Uh, and we also have the Common Sense and Reasons page. So, you know, uh, Supporting, support, supporting, God-fearing Christians, uh, we are we are all for that. As a matter of fact, uh, even on David's show, uh, no, no, no uh, I think it was the last show that I did. Uh, Isaiah Isaiah West, he he listened in, but he came he came on, but he didn't say anything. But we promoted what he does. Uh, uh, pen, pen of the Watchmen. Uh, 
And Rob Thornton, although we didn't get to advertise his show, but they have Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and so, yeah, whenever you get it operating, just let us know. You know what I'm saying? Let us know, and uh, we'll put the word out there to um, get people to join in on these types of uh, discussions. Okay, and, uh, and and I'll do that. Now, I have a page on Facebook about my father's business, and it has very little activity, and my mind tells me it's because of the seriousness of the discussion. Uh, there's only one admin, that's me, and, uh, and if what you put on there is not in accordance with what the page is about, it gets deleted. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not because of any kind of control there, but, you know, uh, one of the things that I wanted to emphasize is, you know, I, I don't want you to tell me uh, on that page, you know, I don't want nobody posting devotions and, 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 and little sayings and pictures of this and that and the other. The, the pages, I want to talk about Father's business for today, what we're supposed to be doing, what he's showing you, what he's telling you. That's what I want to talk about on that page. And some of the things that I post and all that, get a little mention here, a little mention there, but no whole lot of long discussions and stuff like we have on some of these other groups. And that doesn't bother me at all because, you know, um, uh, y'all, one of y'all, y'all might have read something I posted the other day about uh, sometimes when people keep silent, it says more about them than when they talk. <laughs> and I think sometimes they don't talk because they don't want their hearts to be revealed that they're not totally committed, something to that effect. Uh, because, you know, I, I try to only ask questions that I feel the Spirit's leading me to ask, and I try to respond to things that I feel the Spirit's leading me to respond to because I ain't interested in nothing else, because it's all about him and what he wants, uh, because I recognize who I belong to and who I'm supposed to be living for. And uh, and so my all, all everything that I try to post is try to get you uh, somewhere headed in the building up stage of uh, being more like Christ, because to me I think that's the only thing the Holy Spirit is interested in. That's his job in us is to mold us into the image of Christ. And as far as I'm concerned, the image of Christ is not what he looked like, but what his heart looks like. And his heart says, I only want to do what pleases God. Amen. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense, yeah. And as soon as you say that scripture, that popped up right right before it, it popped up right in my head. Uh, Jesus Christ did, always did what pleased the Father. Um, and one of these days you're going to have confidence enough to say the Holy Spirit brought that to me. Amen. <laughs> Instead of saying it. <laughs> Another reason why um, I think, like, these types of discussions, like, over the phone, even video conferences and meeting in person is very important, especially with the Saints, uh, is because over the Internet, a lot of things can get misconstrued. Uh, And sometimes I think it's not fair because, uh, like, like you, uh, Brother Moore, uh, like if you post something and if someone asks a question, it's like I think because we we have all been involved some way or another uh, with people in spirit-led discussions, and sometimes our, our mindset just automatically just like, oh, here comes the contention. And it's like, 
like, no, we're not trying to have contention. I'm just asking a question. And then it, it, it gets, it gets, it gets so out of, out of whack. And it's just like, oh boy, here we go again. But, you know what I'm saying? Having these type of discussions, it's like we can hear one another. We can hear the inflection within our voices, and it makes it a little more personal. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'll say this now over over the air to John Moore. I know we had disagreements, uh, but the fact that I didn't delete you means that I just looked at you like uh, like a – like an uncle that's getting on my nerves or something. I still consider <laughs> seriously, like I still consider you like like family because you are of the faith. And I know within the family, like my own family, we have disagreements and we fuss and argue at each other. But at the end of the day, we still love one another. And yeah, that you, you just I'll reminded be my me. Uh, my family treat me like the prophet from his own home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I thought about bringing this up earlier, and then I changed my mind. Now you just brought it to my mind again because I was going to ask this question. Uh, when we have disagreements like that, have you noticed how many Christians are so quick to turn on each other and start, I mean, treating you like an unbeliever? Calling your names, using scriptures, on you like you don't know the Lord anymore. Uh, One of the most profound quotes that I've ever read in my entire life is by Augustine. He says, In essentials, unity. In non essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. For some odd reason, this seems to be a gray area when it comes to believers and agreeing on every little thing, especially the things which don't cost us, or would it cost, it's, in my opinion, it's impossible to cost us our salvation or things that might be labeled as heretical okay. nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, if we're discussing the Trinity, I mean, it's not essential. It's impossible to get into the mind of God and understand how one is three and three is one. It's, imp- it's impossible. What's impossible? What's impossible? Can you guys hear me? I said, what was impossible? Understanding the Trinity, understanding how God is both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's, it's impossible to understand that. Oh, yeah, we didn't know a finite mind if you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try, to remind, I try to remind people, especially uh, I, I, I try to remind the saints that when it comes to certain topics like, like that one, like, first of all, we have to understand God humbles himself to reveal to us the things of heaven. That's scripture. He humbles himself. He has to humble himself to show us the things of heaven. And yeah. unless, and, and actually that was taking me right into uh, the next portion of what I wanted uh, to talk about was the written word of God. The written word of God is, is inspired by God, and everything in it is what he tells us about himself, and unless we, unless, you know what I'm saying, we have the scriptures, we won't know what God is like, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying, we won't have a a confirmation of what God is like, or who God is, and what he's done, and what he's planned for us to reconcile mankind back to himself, 
such as sending his son, Jesus Christ, and manifesting in flesh to take on the sins of mankind for that sole purpose. And unless we have the scriptures to help us understand that, and also the Holy Spirit, again, which is inside of us, to teach us these things, and also when we go to extra-biblical resources outside of the Bible to help us discern truth from false whenever we do go outside of the Bible, uh, we really won't have any idea as to who God is. And these unbelievers who reject the scriptures clearly show the example of their ignorance when it comes to God. Now, that thing right there about extra-biblical information, education, all that, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's about the only thing that we ever somewhat disagreed on, and that's not doctrinal. Is that right? Well, uh, for instance, with, um, let's see, what Jamel was saying earlier about basic basic information, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to, okay, let's say, let me let me think of something that, let me think of something that, okay, for instance, uh, I can't even think of nothing right now. Well, let me, let me no, go, 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 with literary, go with literary elements, like hyperbole, yeah. simile, metaphor. Like, things like that is basic. It's incredibly basic, but for some odd reason, the believers tend to think that once they come on, come into the faith, they're supposed to forsake those things, and that's not true. The Bible okay. has something. The Bible okay, has an exhibit. I got you. I got you. Yeah, uh, that was included in what me and the GT was um, uh, was disagreeing on. Uh, it was just my experience uh, that I'm, I'm a Bible only person when it comes to the things of God. Not uh, I wasn't even included in that uh, general educational stuff. You know, uh, you know, ain't nothing in the Bible about fixing my car and none of that stuff. So I wasn't even talking about that. I'm just talking about uh, outside resources. Uh, that that people think sometimes may help them understand the things of God. And all I'm saying is uh, for the years that I've been walking in the Lord, uh, he took me, you know, and he, when I say he took me away from it, I'll talk about, we talked about within the first few months of being saved, but I had a commentary and something, and, uh, and I was looking in there, and then I was looking in the Bible, and the Spirit said to me, uh, the same Holy Spirit, that's in that man that wrote that commentary is in you. And so I called myself doing this little experiment that, I okay, I'm going to read the scriptures and see what the Lord gives me, and then I'm going to look in the commentary and see if he got the same thing. And after doing that several times and seeing that he had gotten the same thing I was getting, then from then on it's just been me and the Lord and and that Bible, and uh, and, and that's where I'm coming from, not, not that you – uh, the general education that uh, my man was mentioning early. And I think uh, that's about the only thing that we ever come close to uh, uh, disagreeing on because some of the quotes that people uh, hear from the early church and some of those meetings, they had, I don't know anything about that. And that's why I came on tonight. I, I had, You know, you've been inviting me every time, but 
I had never come on. I said, because if they're talking about anything and everything, I'm not going to know what they're talking about. So I said, let me just come on tonight and see how it goes. And, and so far, so good. Uh, but but I just don't study other stuff. That's, that's, that's just me, and I'm not going to condemn anybody. And, and that would never, would never make me so partially uh, my brother Harkins here because uh, him and his wife is two special people to me on that Facebook. Yeah. Now, let me give you an example, okay? Uh, right. Now, you brought up commentaries, and I have the same exact feeling about commentaries, especially yeah, I don't. Well, I don't read commentaries at all. I read them because I, I have a study Bible. But, like, when I want to learn about the background of a particular book, like the book of Ezekiel, uh before I read that, I read the introduction. I read the body about what the whole book is about. I read about the author. I read about who was the king, king of that time when it happened. Why? Because it helped me put the uh, prophecies uh, and all the things that he was saying into the perspective. Uh, but let me let me go to where I was going to go before I lose track. Okay, so I was reading, uh, I think it was in Exodus, and I was reading the commentary in Exodus. And in Exodus, it said, uh, the commentary, it was talking about the king who did not know uh, Joseph. And this is when the children of Israel were placed in bondage. So I read at the bottom, it said, this is more than likely the Hyksos, the Hyksos kingdom of Egypt, who were foreign Asian, who were foreign Asian people from the north who came in and adopted every single thing that uh, uh, the religion of Egypt and everything, and they ruled close to like 100, maybe 200 years or whatever. And they were the ones who put the uh, Jews or the Hebrews in, in slavery. Well, I, and, and I was like, hold on, that's not right. And see, I didn't take the commentary as scripture. I scrutinized it. And thanks be to God that I had already been doing research on the biblical timeline, which actually suggested that the Hyksos Egyptians were the ones in power when Joseph was uh uh when Joseph was made uh, second in command to the Pharaoh. And the way that uh the Lord brought it to me and reasoned it, like I was it was I reasoned it out. I was like, well it would make sense. The Hyksos were foreign. They were Asiatic, probably of the same descent as Shem, as the Hebrews. So they were more than likely uh they would be more susceptible to allowing a Hebrew to become second in command because they don't they didn't know of the beef between the Egyptians, which was actually started by Abraham when he came into Egypt. And remember, they took uh, Abraham's wife, and they were they were punished for doing that. And the so afterwards, uh, I forgot the Pharaoh's name. He he made a he made a. a like one of our presidents, like the president would make an executive order. Nobody is to associate with any uh with any 
shepherd that comes to our land. They are abhorred. No one is to lay with them. No one is to associate with them. And that was in place already when uh, when the Hicksos had taken over. But the Hicksos didn't know about that legislation. That was uh, more than likely the reason why Joseph was allowed to um, uh, to become second in, in command. Now, what's the point of me saying that? I, stu- I study history because I love history. I love it. It's an outside biblical resource. And let's say if they if somebody says something in regards to, okay, for instance, uh, I saw another commentary that said Ramesses was the pharaoh of the Exodus. Well, that can't be right because his timeline doesn't match up with the Bible timeline. So did I did I do all this research just so I can counter arguments and stuff like that? No. I just love research. I love I just love history. But I always kept it in a biblical perspective. I've always done that. And if anything outside of the scriptures says something in contrary to the scriptures, I reject it. That's the way uh that's the way that I treat it and that's the way I continue to treat it. And uh, so that's why I say, like, even when it comes to, like, these extra-biblical books like uh, uh, Jasher, Book of Jubilees, the Apocrypha and all that, they're good good reads, but I don't look at them as scripture. I mean, I don't look at them as uh, divinely inspired by God. The only book, and I say it again for everybody to hear me, the only book that I take 100% is the Bible, point blank, period. Okay, well, let me tell you something, man. Uh, I don't think we have any disagreement because the only thing that I was saying was the extra biblical stuff was not necessary for life in Christ, and I think you'll agree with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, so that, that's the only thing that I was saying, but whatever, all that other stuff you just said, how you love it and you do it and all that, no, I don't have a problem in the world with that. Uh, I thought we were disagreeing on that you have to use some of that stuff and all that. No, no. If you ain't saying that, then we have no disagreement. <laughs> oh, no. I would, there, and, and this is the reason why I wouldn't say that, because every – we are the body of Christ. We and I said I think I said this on that on that post. We are the body of Christ. Y'all brought it up earlier. The body is made up of many members. So yeah. each, although we uh, although we are the body of Christ, there are different members, and each member of the body does a different function. But it's all for the purpose of the whole body, and. Uh, and it's for the glorification of God. Yeah. So the hand that's can how, be over that's exactly doing how the main, that's, how, that's exactly how the main plan of God is not disrupted. Regardless of what portion of the body may, let's say, let's use the term slack off, there's still other portions that can actually fulfill what it is that God wants him to wants done. Yeah, right. Can I, can I so let, me, oh. let me share some uh, extra biblical information that I happen to hear uh, probably listening to somebody on the radio and they happen to mention it, uh, and I don't think that it would have, it, it changes anything if I had never heard it, but 
uh, it was interesting when I heard it, and and it, and it made something in the scriptures make more sense. And uh, and I thought about it earlier tonight when somebody was talking about I am. Uh, if I uh, make no mistake, I think I am is the name that God gave Moses to tell the children of Israel who sent him. Mm. And I think it's also the name that the children of Israel would not pronounce because mm-hmm. they thought it was so holy. And when, and, and, and so when, when they came to arrest the Lord Jesus in the garden, and he said, I am he, and it said these people fell back to the ground. Well, that made no sense without knowing that that I am is that name that they were scared of, scared to pronounce, and Jesus said it. And, uh, and, and so then them falling back to the ground, because I guess they were waiting for lightning to strike them or something, it made that make a little more sense. But, again, not necessary to life in Christ. But having that little background there, it, 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 it was just a little tidbit, you know, so it's nothing to get dogmatic about or anything like that. But, uh, but, I, but, but while I'm saying that, I'm thinking about all these Jews today who underline the zero, you know, G underscore D. Yeah. What the yeah. God's name? So why are you doing that? <laughs> why are you doing it? Of all yeah, this, you know, it's just one of his names. Yeah, it's one of those things where, um, you know, again, I be like, I say to myself, if you feel like you don't want to put the O, you want to put an underscore, hey, that's fine. <laughs> and just as long as that person doesn't become dogmatic and start wanting to enslave everybody else to doing that, then we have peace. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Bible. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's uh, just pretty much a an, an instance of, you know, a sign of control. But I, I wanted to add to what Jamel was talking about earlier with the, the whole body. That's 1 Corinthians 12, by the way. Um, the, the differences in the gifts in the body being, um, you know, Paul using the illustration of the human anatomy. Now, uh, I can remember when I went to school, I, I wanted I wanted to be a, a doctor, so I studied all of that. And, you know, the body has many usage, you know, usages. You know, the eye can, you know, for instance, you have cells. You have, like, maybe uh, trillions and trillions of cells, and they all do different things. Like, for instance, you have the different structures of the, the human cell. You've got the uh, outer portion of the cell, and you've got the inner portion of the cell. The inner portion of the cell is the Golgi apparatus, which kind of transfers sugar derivatives into energy. And then you've got, well, actually, that's the, um, yeah, the Golgi apparatus. And then, well, that's the mitochondria. Then you've got the Golgi apparatus, which is deeper into the cell. But all of those things do, you know, perform different tasks but is to keep but the only task that you know that it does the main task is keeping you alive and like for instance the brain you have the brain which weighs about uh 1400 grams 3 pounds in an adult the average adult and it performs a multitude of tasks for instance you have glands and the like for instance you have a gland it's located in the prefrontal lobe of the skull, which is known as the pre. It's it's called the pineal gland or the pituitary gland, 
not the pineal gland, but the pituitary gland, and it's called the master gland. It's supposed to secrete all of these hormones, growth hormone, um, serotonin, not serotonin, but um, growth hormone. Um, you've got um, all of these other various uh, uh, hormones, and it's supposed to regulate thyroxin, which is supposed to regulate, um, you know, um, your metabolism and, and salt metabolism and things of that sort, but it's all to keep you alive, you know. So if one thing goes wrong, and it's just the same with the body of Christ, if you've got one person that decides to believe in heresy, then he's going to corrupt the body of Christ if he is allowed to. Say, say for instance, from a biological perspective, if you have one cell, it can be a neuron, it could be um, a white blood cell, a T lymphocyte, or any other cell in the body that goes wrong and decides, well, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do, then you've got cancer because that cell is going to corrupt, it's going to move into other cells, and it's going to corrupt the um, the cell's ability to make uh, protein or make uh, what it's called, I forget what it's called, but it, it's going to corrupt that cell's ability to nourish the entire body or to nourish other cells. And so now you're going to have cancer. You, you, it, the cells are going to grow out of control and they're going to move and they're, they're going to rob other cells of their nutrients. And then now you're, you have a what is called a neoplasm, which is a tumor. And that tumor is going to rob the body of its nutrient-making abilities and you're going to get sick, and if you don't treat it, you're going to end up dying. So this is how important the body of Christ is, and how the the what uh, the purity of the body of Christ is. Romans sixteen seventeen says to separate ourselves, the doctrine of separation, mm-hmm. you know, to move away from all of those heretics that seek to corrupt the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It doesn't necessarily say it that way, but. That's what Romans 16, that's the, the premise of what Paul is talking about in that particular verse. And then you've got Jude 1.4. We have to uh, defend, the, defend the faith, which is once for all delivered, delivered to the saints. To the saints. Yep. All right, let me uh, use my little bit of health knowledge uh, from eight years of being a vegetarian years ago and learning a little bit of something about the body, uh, I come across uh, these, well, I found out that Dr. Otto Wahlberg got the Nobel Prize in 1931 for finding the cure for cancer. And so mm-hmm. what, what he found was that in order for the cancer to, or, or most other diseases for that matter, to even get started, it has to have the right environment and that environment is an acid environment, acidic. Right. It's an acidic environment, yep. And, and so what he found out was, what he discovered was, it cannot survive in an alkaline environment. Right. So the cure for cancer was alkalinity, and a lot of people cured their cancers by getting on raw vegetables and all that. And, of course, in later years, they got these water machines that make alkaline water. So if I thought if I, while you were talking, that I said, well, what would be the acidic environment in the body of Christ that allows for the mess that we have? Bingo. 
Bingo. Amen. What I came up with is a word that I brought up earlier was it's the autonomy of mm-hmm. the individual church. Yes. Every church and pastor is autonomous. They they're self sustaining. They they, they, they they have to be introverted. So you got all these members of the body who are trying to work on their own without the rest of the body. So nobody could today write a letter to the church at Charlotte or the church in Kannapolis because where would it go? When they wrote a letter to the church of Ephesians, there was no divisions of all these little churches and little denominations and somebody saying this is my church and somebody saying this is my pastor and all this stuff. That stuff didn't exist, so uh, that letter just got passed around from house to house or wherever these little, or wherever the saints met. And it went to all those believers, and, mm-hmm. and, and right. so so that uh, this autonomous that that's why people think I'm condemning pastors and and churches. I said no, it's the operation, it's the system that they operate under. Mm-hmm. I say whatever the operation is, it's not what we have because that autonomy kills the unity of the faith, the visible unity of the faith. We know we are united if we're true believers in the spirit, but God says. By this shall all men know that you're there. So it has to be something that men can see. Right. Uh, uh, Dave, I, I let me see. Dave, let me ask this question. Uh, okay. All right. Now, I know that there are some cancers, and this will tie in with uh, sheep and wolves. I mean, uh, wolves, I'm about to say it backwards, wolves and sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. There's a, there are some cancers, I know, cancer cells, from what I've learned, uh, can actually when they when they when they're inside of the body, they can actually uh, uh, make themselves look like one of the host cells or one of the body's own cell to evade detection, mm-hmm. and then start attacking other cells to make duplicates of itself. And then it spreads that way, uh, and I kind of right. The immune that. system, the immune system doesn't attack. Well, the immune right. system doesn't recognize it because it's stealth-like. There are some cancers that are that that can do that, and I believe those cancers are caused by viruses. Uh, certain viruses can uh, like AIDS. Them. Oh, well, not necessarily AIDS, but AIDS is a retrovirus. But some cancers. Well, AIDS, you know, can result in cancer, you know, in its end stages, but that's a virus, period. But I'm talking about cancer that can be caused by a virus, and there are some cancers that uh, can resemble virus, that can resemble um, retrovirus. For instance, you have um, melanoma, for instance. Melanoma can or uh, certain myelomas, they can stay within the bloodstream. They can stay within the, the, the body and hide itself, stealth itself. And it's called an incubation period. An incubation period is from the time you're infected with a pathogen until the onset of symptoms. And there are some cancers that are idiopathic, which means no known cause. Nobody knows, like high blood pressure. High blood pressure is idiopathic. There's no cause that's called essential hypertension. There's no known cause, but you have to treat it, otherwise it's going to kill you over time. 
And so, but there are cancers that can do that, and they can stealth, they can act stealth-like, and it can stay, and they can act, take on the um, the quality of uh, the the you know the, the uh, qualifications of the of an actual uh, healthy cell, and then after a long period of time, um, maybe ten, fifteen years, you know you, the the cell ends up or that cancer ends up breaking down uh, the the body, the cellular activity of um, well, the cellular activity, and so and then that's the result of the uh, the immune system not being strong enough to recognize a foreign body. But then again, any virus that enters or any pathogen like a protozoan or bacteria or anything can enter the bloodstream. And um, what happens is if the immune system is compromised, if you're immunocompromised with something else like a cold or stress or chemicals or even the environment that you're around and... Um, you know, it doesn't take long before that virus gets a foothold of the immune system, and then you get symptoms, you get sick. But yeah, okay. In cancer, oh, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. The, yeah. Everything you're saying is, uh, makes sense, and I was only just trying to relate how, mm-hmm. yeah, how you have these uh, wolves in sheep's clothing and these false converts who come among us, and they sit around just like that. And, you know, they will quote scriptures, they will, uh, you know, befriend people, and then all of a sudden, it's like by the time that you see their true colors, mm-hmm. they've already spread that sickness, that heresy of theirs uh, amongst the saints. And that's, and that's why, you know, uh, I think tonight I wanted to focus a lot on that because uh, I'm being inundated with uh, some of the same people who were compromised by that type of cancer. Well, we see that in in uh, especially nowadays, where there is a epidemic of spiritual deception. The Bible says that there's going to be in the latter days perilous times, and uh, we see this vitriolic hatred for sound doctrine. In in first in Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through four, Paul is telling Timothy, for the time will come where they're not going to endure, or let me circle that word endure. Remember what I said about grammar. The word endure is um is it's a uh it's called well the, the word endure means in that context uh, put up with or tolerate, and yeah. we we are surrounded. We we've been inundated with individuals who hate, not don't like. I'm not saying dislike. I'm not saying, uh, you know, I don't have. I'll tolerate it, but I'm not going to really. No, no, no. It's a dis. It's a virtual strong dislike for the word of God to the extent that they will tell you to your face that you are of the devil. So we have now uh, individuals who are sit in churches, sit in whatever Christian fellowship that I can name off off the top of my head, won't say anything. You're talking, you're, you're, you're 
uh, proliferating your your uh, the, the word of God, you're you're preaching the word of God, you're preaching the the, the gospel, um, you know, and and so they're still sit. They won't say anything. They won't make a noise. And this is what I'm talking about when the Bible says they shall privily come in, which means secretly, stealth like, just like any virus or any cancer causing cell or anything. And they're going to disrupt. They're going to uh, corrupt the cell. They're going to corrupt the inner workings of the cell. Change the RNA into the, the change the DNA into its corrupted RNA, and change the structure of the church. Until now, the church is poisoned. And we saw this in spirit led. We saw this in uh, especially in spirit led. Prime example of spirit led discussion. And and that's what what we're facing as believers, and we have to be careful. We have to be mindful, and we have to have discernment. And I'll say this: in a body, um, because you all are speaking more from a medical side of things, which is not going to always be the uh, right side of things. Because we, even though they may not know what it is, there is a cause of high blood pressure. Uh, I tell people, I say, God didn't make these bodies for for, for uh, with, with dormant diseases in them that at a certain age just going to pop up at you. I say all of this stuff is caused by something. Uh, but when when somebody mentions stuff and undetectable, that's undetectable by the medical profession. But but if that body is alkaline, then whatever that is is not going to get that foothold to start with to be stealth. So what uh, my mind would go to, okay, what that, what would that represent? And I don't have an answer right now. I'm just asking the question where we would go to look for what, what it would take. And, and I'm looking back at the community in uh, Acts where it says uh, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. But then it also said, and none of the rest dared join them. So them unbelievers who weren't interested in, and the things of God, they didn't dare join. Say fear came upon every soul and all those things. So there was something that the Holy Spirit was doing in those people that didn't allow for that. And, of course, God didn't tolerate even a half a lie from Ananias and Sapphira. So somehow or another, that's what we have to determine because even though I talk about the autonomy of pastors and churches, we also have the autonomy of individual believers because we're all out here trying to live and take care of ourselves and our family and my this and my that, wherein the biggest and best example we have in Scripture is where everybody took care of each other on a daily basis. So at the very least, uh, you had these little small communities everywhere where uh, everybody looked out for each other. But we, have, we live in Western society where everybody looking out for themselves and then we have these churches that are autonomous. And so we got all this worldly stuff going on here trying to uh, parade itself as a living organism and, it, organism, and it's impossible for an organization to do that. Well, let me explain what you just said, because what, what you just mentioned is kind of really uh, resonated with me. When you're talking about autonomy as opposed to individualism, uh, there is somewhat of a difference. When you're a, per, a person who is into individualism means that they don't have any need for anything else. 
whereas autonomy means I'm separate from any type of governing body or an organization. And uh, a lot of churches do this because they don't want to get involved in a lot of parachurch organizations that have gone apostate pretty much. Like, for instance, you have a lot of IBF churches, Independent Baptist Fundamentalists, for all those that don't know. Um, They are autonomous in the sense that they don't want to have anything to do with any of the parachurch organizations. Like, um, for instance, you've got the... um, the Southern Baptist Convention. That's a prime example of a parachurch organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are apostate. I don't care what anybody says. Southern Baptists are, are you know, Billy Graham is is the prime example of that. You know, he even says that there are many ways to Jesus Christ. Yes. So when I, say, when I say autonomy, and I use the word a lot, Mm-hmm. The, the two words that I'm thinking of is self-sustaining. Okay, yeah, that's that's exactly what a a a church like an IBF church is. They don't go to a parachurch organization for any kind of support at all. The pastor is either working, and he uh, provides the the money for the paying of the bills, where the lights or you know he's. Um, the paying for the fixing of the church or whatever the case may be, and well, they see, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in, in my in my thinking, the church. I don't even think about the parish church organization. It's in the same class as the church itself. I'm talking about the institutionalized, organized church, whether it's parish church organization, nonprofit, Christian nonprofit, but it, it, they're all such a thing. In other words, each church on the corner looks out for itself. Whether it's interdenomination or not, because well, yeah, they're they're individualists, and exactly. yeah, they're they're individualists. They don't bother with anybody else. Anybody else that's kind of like you know not a part of their fellowship is not going to get help. Exactly, they're, they're not going. If the yeah. body is one, then if let's say you had all the churches that you got now everywhere. If the body was operating as one man, as God designed it to, anybody in any of those churches could go to any one of the other churches anytime they wanted to, and nobody would say a thing. Anybody who had a message could stand up mm-hmm. and say that any time we had to ask nobody's permission because the Holy Spirit is leading. Mm-hmm. And so you look, we are long, long, long ways from that. <laughs> Well, yeah, That's you're, you're right. right. I, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to disagree with you at all. Um, on on that note, believe it or not, believe it or not, though. If you, if you, uh, hold on for a second. Uh, talk to one brother you should talk to, John, is Brother Nelson, and uh, he's in the Bible study group. His church is the exception, and that's why I said what I said on that post. Uh, that I can't I can't generalize all churches because not all churches operate under this institutionalized type system. There's a lot of them that do. I 100% agree on that, but there are a few out there that don't. And Brother Nelson, uh, his church does exactly uh, what we what we would say or what we expect a church should do: go out and uh, help help the poor, help people in need, 
Uh, he got they got certain programs. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, talk, well, let me. Talk, I'm glad you said that. So that's giving me a chance to to, to go even further. Uh, because even the churches that I'm talking about, I don't know of a church that doesn't have programs that help the poor, have missionaries, and all this kind of stuff. Here's what here's the ultimate of what I'm talking about. If you didn't get it from what I said about anybody could go in the church and and be led by the Spirit, or they could visit any other place. In other words, when the body is operating as one, nobody would ever say his church or my church. Nobody would ever say that. See, the fact that you can say Brother Nelson, his church, or he say in my church, no, because that church has a leader. And I'm saying when our body is one, we only recognize the Lord Jesus is our head and the Spirit, and, and the Lord Jesus is our pastor, and the Spirit leading all of us. We're all brothers, period. Mm-hmm. There's nobody over anybody else. Right. There's no my pastor. There's no my church. That's the scripture. There's nobody oh, yeah. that referred to uh, a body. Now, somebody said the church that is in somebody's house, but there was never a man who said my church. There was no, uh, and of course, when they started talking about my pastor, they got rebuked, and Paul and the Holy Spirit called that division. They wouldn't use right. the pastor; they just say, "I'm of a Paul, of a Paul," and that thing. Same thing to me, though. Right, I agree. I agree with that 100. Uh, percent And I'm also looking at, I'm also looking at the culture that we uh, that we live in. Exactly. There is, uh, you know, what I'm saying there are. You have what you call church building, and so when somebody says church, like when when we when when we say church, we know we're talking about the body of Christ. But mm-hmm. when when we start talking about church buildings, buildings we uh-huh. in the context, we know within the context of what we're saying that we're talking about a building where uh, members of the church come together. And you know it would be it would be lovely to see churches in the same area come together and operate you know as one body. Unfortunately, yeah. we live in that culture and that generation where it's just not like that. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I I would have to say that you know Brother Nelson's church, the church, the church building that he attends is different than a lot of the church buildings that I've been to and that I've seen and witnessed. Uh, and and that's the context that I'm putting it in. But as you yeah. said, if we can operate under, you know what I'm saying, as one, I, man. That would be utopia, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would make so much difference in the, in the world. Uh, and no, I'm not into kingdom theology. But I do know, as the uh, Thessalonians say, that you know the wicked one won't, will not be revealed until he is taking is taken out of the way. And I tend to believe that you know what I'm saying wherever you have godly influence, you have uh, uh, a lot of godly influence. The powers of Satan are are held at bay. But when you have lawlessness. Hey, they get the they get the run wild. 
Yeah. Now, in our the same society that we're in, the same culture that we're in, we still have people like the Amish, the Hutterites, people who live in community just like they did in Act. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they do everything perfect because I'm sure we uh, they have some issues too, and I've visited some of them, so I know they do. Uh, but 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 they have come out truly, literally, from among the world, and and they are not caught up in the worldliness that 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 the rest of us are who live out here on our own and attend these buildings called churches. Now I say for instance, these people ain't got they're not worried about Uncle Sam, uh, mm-hmm. whether or not they're gonna get to get a marriage license, whether or not they are so secure. They have their businesses that take care of the saints in those communities or however they do it. And uh, and they are separate and apart. Another example, even though it's not Christian, would be the Indian Reservation. They are a nation unto themselves. They have their own governing laws and everything inside the United States. So that tells me that if Christians would totally yield themselves to the Holy Spirit of God like the first saints did, we would come out from this world, we'd be willing to live like the Bible say, having food and raiment and be that with content, we will be willing to live at the point of our need, live in communities all over this earth, let that be, and, and so people could see that love lifestyle like they did, the Lord could add daily, and, 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 and everything will be done from a communal setting out in the neighborhood, but, and get away from this meeting concept, because almost nothing in that New Testament was done in a meeting in a, in a, in a, like we had these Sunday services and all this kind of stuff, everything's got to happen in a service. No, Peter and them were walking up to him, they got the door. Uh, he ended up healed. Uh, the Lord called his man right up and he got sick. You know, so this stuff happened out and about. The strength to his death, you know, but we got everything wrapped up in music with those meetings, stuff like that. So, uh, the, the, the pastors are going to have to cease to be overlords uh, and, and, and teach their men to be men, and especially those who are married. Uh, I, I think about that scripture where it says the women were learning and that they had to help at home. So that tells me still, God still uh, wants the husbands where they are husbands with families to be said to be but we've given all, just like parents have given over three groups, their responsibility to the school system. Uh, families have done the same thing to the church, give all the responsibility to the man all the time. And the husband is still being doing You know, and, and, and serving God is going on in the church and all the stuff. And then as the people out here in the world, we're going to have to give up this worldly lifestyle. We're going to have to stop walking and walking all this stuff and, and, and trying to walk in both worlds, one foot in the kingdom.
Uh, I was going to end it at 11, but, you know, when the spirit, when he's in control, he's in control. And uh, uh, Tell the truth, you were trying to hold his hostage. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> but, but I, uh, I appreciate him recognizing the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, it's 12 o'clock, and uh, I'm going to bring the show to an end. And I just want to encourage the saints again. When you get into the midst, you get into the midst of, uh, or when unbelievers come into your midst, learn how to identify them. And if they don't want to hear your word, if they don't want to hear the gospel, you know, the Bible tells us after the first and second admonition, uh, reject. reject the brother. You know what I'm saying? If he's a heretic, reject him. Jesus said that if you go into a place and they don't want to hear, hear the gospel, hey, knock the dust off your feet and keep it moving. And it would be a testimony against them because they would never be able, they would never be able to say, oh, I never heard, I never heard, when indeed they have heard and they rejected the cause for salvation. Um, so before, uh, before I, I end the call, I want to thank John Moore for calling in. I uh, uh, appreciate uh, the time he took from his own personal life <laughs> to call this uh, Freestyle Friday and uh, actually giving a good word and uh, a good discussion here on uh, Freestyle Friday, uh, which usually which usually happens. You know, we never know who's going to call in and uh, uh, quite surprised uh, that John called in. So, you know, I appreciate John calling in and my brothers, of course, I appreciate them calling in. Um, again, uh, check us out here on Freestyle Fridays every Friday at 9 o'clock. Uh, on Sundays, Dave has his Bible study. And uh, that, like I said, this Sunday is going to be on synchronism, and it's going to be a very heavy topic. And I do encourage the saints to call in uh, to at least get a word of knowledge on the enemy, the tactics of the enemy because we are in a spiritual warfare and uh in this in this warfare you have to have some knowledge on the tactics of your enemy and the enemy is, is that of Satan so that the babes in Christ and uh the other saints will not be caught off guard by these things because as I said earlier before there's a lot of saints who were part of the body and they just separated themselves because they believe that they stumbled upon something so much more knowledgeable and tangible when in actuality it's nothing but foolishness. Uh, again, shout out to Jamel for uh, the uh, website, commonsenseandreasons.com. Check us out on that. In the Facebook page, check us out on that, Common Sense and Reasons on Facebook. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, we're on Twitter and some other stuff. And uh, we're going to be trying to get podcasts running so that uh, it'll be linked up to the page. Uh, uh, and on Monday nights, we got Bible study with Darian, who does an excellent teaching on uh, different topics. So check Darian out. You'll see the invitations in the group. And uh, if you haven't joined his group, 
uh, go to Kingdom Fire, look for Kingdom Fire on uh, Facebook and join. And uh, also, uh, Brother John has a group, uh, as he said earlier, it's called About My Father's Business. Uh, check that out. Whenever y'all get a chance, look it up, join the group, add to the discussion, and, uh, you know, take it there. Also, again, my wife's page, Evelyn, uh, exitchurchianity.com. That's her website. And uh, her webpage is the same, exitchurchianity. Check her out Check her out there. And uh, she has a lot of info and a lot of good discussions on there as well. And she also has podcasts, so look that up on podcasts. Um, I think I haven't forgotten anybody, so... Before I end this call, uh, Jamel, Darian, John, uh, I think Darian's on, but Jamel, John, and David, uh, if y'all have anything y'all want to say before I hang up, uh, we'll start. I'll start with John first, then Jamel, and then David. Uh, John, anything you want to say before we end this call? Please make Well, I just want to thank you, brother, for uh, sending me the invitation. I'm glad I uh, decided to uh, tune in. because I, I, I really appreciate the fellowship. And even though I have done it on Facebook, you tell your wife, again, I appreciate that information that she posted because I've been saying this stuff forever, but I have never had it in the detail of the brother who wrote that thing that she sent me. So I'm very appreciative of that. And uh, I'm, I, I'm modifying it a little bit, and then I'm going to put it on my blog because he used some words that are not normal. And uh, so I'm looking those words up and putting the definition in the places. <laughs> right. I'm afraid to ask. Are you are you talking about you talking about Sam? Is you, huh? She, talking she, about uh, Sam. Uh, I, I don't know the I, I I don't remember the name. I just remember it was about uh, he did this in depth thing about uh, the use of pastors, elders, and all that stuff, and how it was meant to be what we have in the contemporary church. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. Jamel, Jamel, anything you want to say? Uh, thanks again, John, for calling in. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, Jamel? No, I'm good, bro. I ain't got nothing going on. Okay, I'm okay. Just, this call was really uh, not only edifying, but encouraging, man. Very encouraging. Amen. Amen. Dave, anything you want to say before we hang up? Well, yeah, uh, thank you for having me on, as usual. Uh, We are known for getting into these deep topics, and quite frankly, I I like getting involved, you know, talking about these things and exposing and uh, different topic, uh, different doctrines, false doctrines anyway, and getting really philosophical against people who claim to be philosophical. So, uh, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, just thank you, and, and again, join me this Sunday uh, at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time as I delve into the topic of syncretism. And so, uh, again, thank you very much for having me on, and uh, basically that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, I also want to put a, uh, something else out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Pastor Manning has passed away, if y'all haven't heard. 
I don't even know who Pastor Manning is. I yeah. think Evelyn put something on there tonight. I think I saw it just before I came on here. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you know, you would know him if you saw his face. If you saw his face, you would know him. Uh, Are you talking Pastor, about the guy from Atla Ministries? I'm not quite sure. I wasn't really a follower or a subscriber, but I do remember uh, some of his uh, tangent therm- sermons. <laughs> About black people. Oh, uh, Pastor David, uh, James David Manning? Yes, he's uh, he's gone home with the Lord, so, you know, keep his family in prayer. Keep, oh, wow. Uh, his church, uh, his church, his church, people go to his church building. <laughs> keep, them <in> prayer. <laughs> keep them in prayer and, uh, you know, and, you know, that's it. And I also, you know, I asked God to forgive me because when I first started the show, I did not pray us in. So God forgive me on that. Um, but I will pray us out. So, you know, all minds are clear and let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, give you praise and give you glory and honor and thank you for bringing us together to talk about uh how important it is to identify the enemy within our midst, the wolves in sheep's clothing who devour your sheep, Father God. And we just pray that everybody who listens and uh, who, who was on the show and listens uh, via the Internet or who will listen later on, Father God, that they take what we say and apply it when it comes to dealing with unbelievers, especially those of the antichrist type because the time of your return, Father, is near and we know that everything that you prophesied concerning uh, the the heresy and the dangers and the persecutions uh, to the church is will begin to increase and has already increased and uh, we just pray, Father God, that you encourage your saints to do what is right, to believe and trust in your holy word and trust in your word uh, without any doubt as the Satan, as Satan has tried so many times uh, and unfortunately succeeded. But we know, Father God, that you are able to keep us from falling. And all we have to do is just believe and trust in you because you are a strong tower. Uh, to us who believe in you. So I pray, Father God, I I bless the brothers that called in and everybody who listened via the Internet, anybody who will listen later on, Father God, I pray that you bless them and edify them and open their hearts to do what is right, Father God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 All right, brothers, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.